you are the only mass fortunate enough to hear this story. I thought of it between the masses, actually. Uh, this, this story about this persistent widow is one that actually I, I'm pretty familiar with myself. I was not an unjust judge, but I certainly was in a power to give life or death to a piece of lost luggage, you know, depending on how kind people were to me. There, I had this woman on the phone once. She was old enough to have been a widow. She says, you're going to find my bag. And I said, you know, I was in an office that was not at the airport, so, so uh, everyone thought I was at the airport looking for luggage. And, and uh, I actually handled everything from about, oh, I don't know, from the Mississippi West, usually. And, and, and so uh, this lady called at 1130 at night, very persistent, like this widow. She said, uh, she said I'm not making any of this. This is entirely true. She said, uh, you don't have to embellish these things. They're good enough the way they are. And she said, I'm not getting off this phone till you find my luggage. Well, I couldn't find her luggage, and I couldn't go out and look either. So I, I didn't want to, you know, we never said, well, I'm sitting here in Beverly Hills, you know, so that wouldn't help at all. Uh, <laughs> working, not living. Uh, and, uh, and so she says, I'm going to stay on this line. We had creative ways of getting these people off the line. But I was trying to figure out how to be kind to her, to be a just judge, and not somebody that's rude. No, I'm being treated rudely. By the way, if, somebody is, if you need something from a service person, do not treat them badly. This is not a good way to handle things. But she's doing this, and God came to my rescue to get rid of this, this persistent widow. You know. So here comes this, this cleaning person, because we're getting ready to close the office about, by this time, a quarter of 12, 15 minutes with this lady. And here he comes with, they're cleaning the floors. And, and I, I'm trying to listen to her. And here's this vacuum cleaner. And she says, she says, oh, I hear one coming in now. You go empty that and I'll call back. <laughs> so after that, we kept a vacuum cleaner handy in case a persistent, <laughs> if a persistent widow would be on the line, we'd say, oh, there's one coming in right now. We didn't say what it was that was coming in. You know, anyway, see, I told you it wasn't that relevant, but it is interesting, isn't it? Um, I got all these stories in mind from that reunion thing I went to a few weeks ago. We were trading war stories. Well, this judge, there's two people in this story, the, the judge and the widow, and they both speak to us. This parable's got two different, two different takes on things, and it's only in Luke, so we get this privilege of this wonderful story only every three years on Sunday. And Luke... Um, this judge is supposed to be guaranteeing the rights of the widow. In the law, that was the oppressed group. Um, that and orphans, they have no one to care for them. A widow did not, could not inherit property. She didn't have rights. Uh, she didn't have anything. She, she probably was quite uh, disempowered. And so the way that people treated them was a measure of whether they were God-fearing or not. This, this judge has power. He doesn't care about the law. He doesn't care about any human being in front of him. Who does he care about? What's important to him? Himself. Doesn't this sound familiar? Sometimes we're in that position. And very often, people in power over us at work, I, I experience this at times, and, uh, uh, or in our own families or in government, can appear to be only out for themselves. What's the judge waiting for from her? Maybe a bribe? Maybe the person that she's going to court against is a friend of the judge, or he's got power, this, this adversary. The judge doesn't want to upset a person of influence. 
She doesn't have any influence. She has nothing he wants. So he's going to go with not what's right and just, not what God wants, not what the law says, but what is good for him. And this is, this is a type of, a, of an exchange that we all experience today. It's just as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. The man is essentially a pagan, although he professes to be part of, the, of his Jewish society. He's not living it. And she, for her part, she represents every oppressed individual. The widows in the New Testament were even uh, the apostles would look after this group because they, they were consistently uh, the ones that were in need. If they were genuinely in need, first of all, their family was supposed to help them. If they didn't have family, the church would support them. And, you know, you look at Jesus' own life. Perhaps he got this from his own family. After all, his mother and father, at some point, Joseph died. We don't know when. Uh, it's a mystery, isn't it, that Jesus apparently didn't, didn't heal his father, but his foster father, but there's Mary, a widow. And she's got extended family to help her. But again, she's a bit disempowered in this situation. Jesus will have to provide for her, and he did, no doubt, until the age of 30. And so Mary then... Perhaps Jesus saw Mary in situations where she could not defend herself because she was a widow. So it may be very close to Jesus, this story. We, too, in our society, you know, the Pope is very, very adamant about the poor. And really, it's, isn't it true that there's always somebody that's a bit um, needy in our lives? Family member, somebody we work with, people of society... How do, I, how do we as a society treat these marginalized people? There's a number of, of ways you could look at it. I always think of Down syndrome, you know. I've been very privileged. Every parish I've been to, there's been somebody who's been uh, in this situation. Our society basically issues a death sentence now. But isn't that, don't they have something to teach us? Isn't, aren't they here for a reason? Isn't the measure of our humanity as a society how we treat the, the people that are in need around us? And, and we have needy people in our lives that we may wish to push aside uh, because they get in our way. They have nothing we want. They, we don't fear God at this moment or any human being, but we're interested in ourselves. But this is precisely the measure of our faith. And the, the test comes to all of us, you know. We find ourselves in the position of the judge, and many oftentimes we're that, if you will, that, that group, the widow of that story, who has no recourse but this judge. And she, she doesn't have any recourse except to keep going back to that judge. She does one thing. She's going she's gonna to wear him out. And boy, she does. And Jesus uses a little humor here. He, he says, finally, he says, well, you know, I'm going to give her what she wants because if I don't, she's going to beat me up. Picture that woman beating him up. I'm going to beat you up. He's, he, she's going to beat him up verbally, isn't she? So she's going to get what she wants. And the Lord says, he says, if this unjust judge can finally be worn out, how much more will God, who is just, give you what you want? Will he be slow to answer? I've read this three times now. And I, as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, Lord, you are slow to answer sometimes. Doesn't it look like he's slow to answer? Has anybody here not experienced God's slowness in answering? Does anybody hear this? We get speedy answers, don't we, sometimes? No. 
I mean, the answer no seems to come faster than the yes sometimes. God is not slow to answer. He's just got a different time scale. None of us knows. There are many reasons why God delays. This, this theme comes up repeatedly because it's in our experience. God appears to be unjust or more, more to the point, perhaps he's not listening. Maybe he's got better things to do. Maybe I've sinned so God won't listen. Maybe um, God is not interested in me. Maybe he doesn't exist. These are the temptations we have when God is not listening. But maybe there's a reason why God is waiting. We're asking for the wrong thing. We're in the wrong time for it to be answered. God is waiting for us to do our part because we have to cooperate with grace. As we deal with our own children that way. Or God is waiting because we have to grow in faith. What kind of relationship is one in which we only love somebody when they're doing exactly what we want? They never get sick. They're never challenging. They never disappoint us. Is that friendship? Is that marriage? Is that any kind of relationship? If, if I only love you when you're making me happy, I'm using you. But the real test is, well, I love you when you're not, when you've disappointed me a little bit, or you're just not able to do this now. And God is a personality. I, I see God, we perceive him as being slower, not listening, when he has a good reason for it. And sometimes the reason is he just pulls back, like any friendship, to see if we'll continue on with our prayer when it's dry, when we'll be kind to the poor when we don't feel like it, or more to the point when we're somebody in our experience, work, home, family, church, is irritating, will I, will I run with that or run away? But that's, that's the measure of my love for God, is those, those inconvenient people like that widow. Or am I going to be like that judge who just tunes them out because they're inconvenient? And this is, God is like this. He's he, it's all part of the journey of faith. There's kind of an, a, an end to this that, like I said, is only in Luke. And it, it expresses the vulnerability of God, if you will. God is vulnerable only because he makes himself that way. By nature, he's not vulnerable. But when you offer yourself to be loved, you, the only way that God can be loved by us freely is that he's free to be rejected. And so this appears, this, this game or this, this back-and-forth relationship with God and his answers and lack of answers the risk that God takes with it is that we're going to lose faith. He says, well, what? I'm going to come and answer you speedily. At least he thinks it's speedy. But, but when I come, will I find faith in you? Or will you have given up? That's the risk he takes. And some people do give up. And we wonder why God permits that. But how else can he have free people loving him than if there's a risk that we may not persevere? We... We pray that God we will. But when we look at other relationships, we see that God is really no different. So this, this parable of the widow and the judge, then is not only is it relevant for current events, you know, we see this being played out in society at large and in our own lives personally, but also we, we're, at times we're the judge, but more often we're this widow, and God calls us to persevere. So she only has one trick up her sleeve, but it's a good one. I'm going to keep asking because I know that judge 
is going to give me what I want. And, and we too are, we persevere because we know we don't have an unjust judge. We have somebody that loves us. He has a reason for delaying, but I'm going to keep asking and I'm going to listen for God's answer. Maybe I, there's something I need to do to learn, to grow, to wait. I may have to change what I'm asking for. I may have to watch for the answer. I may have received it already. But God always does what's right. Um, may God help us in our own relationship with God to persevere with faith and to be present to God's answers that he gives us.